This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. On today's show is an intellectual who is also a phenomenal giver. His name is John Daniel, and he will talk about a number of things. His matriculation through school, where he went to school, where he went to college, uh, also where he's from. He will talk candidly about his parents and all of the principles and character traits that he was able able to derive from them. Uh, he's just an amazing guy who has a, a very in-depth perspective on the things that he talks about. And I think you'll be able to hear that as he shares his intellect here on the show. And we're also going to be doubling up this week on shows, one that will run through the early part of next week. My buddy Leo Verde with Sullivan's Restaurant is going to be here, not necessarily to talk about Sullivan's Steakhouse, but about the last year. He'll be here in studio to talk about that, and I won't give too much of that away, but I'm looking forward to the conversation with him. Uh, but let's take a quick break and we'll come back. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at ClayYoungBR or on Facebook backslash ClayYoung to follow what we're talking about. We'll take a quick break and come back with John Daniel. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with John Daniel, dear friend of mine, someone who has been very involved in the community here. And as you will learn, he is a multifaceted personality and someone who sees the importance of giving back. John, one of my favorite quotes is by Edmund Burke. And it goes like this. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And I believe that so often we sometimes complain about what we read in the paper or see on the news, but very seldom do people jump into the trenches and grab a shovel and start digging. And you're there you are in there. So first and foremost, we'll, we'll, let's let's talk about the evolution of, of JGD, <laughs> as you are known. Um, when did you first develop a passion for helping others and and mentorship? First of all, Thank you, Mr. Clay Young, for inviting me to share some time with you. Yes, sir. Uh, you know you're a hero of mine, and you will remain such Thank you, sir. because of what you do. Uh, I believe that my parents, Eula May and Thomas, mm -hmm. born respectively in 1897 and 1913 on tobacco farms in wow. Virginia, yeah. uh, imbued me with that almost from birth Okay, because they had very few resources and without the collective impact of many people around them, they would have had a difficult time to succeed. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about 13 children. Wow. 13. JGD being the baby of yeah. all of them. 
So uh, what we're looking at is history, living history. Mm -hmm. So within that scope, what they taught me is not to ask anybody's permission to do better on behalf of yourself right. and or your community. And you can't separate the two. Mm -hmm. hmm. So I, I think it's important to pay respect to our past, like the Sankofa bird. Mm -hmm. To understand where you're going, you need to understand your past. Mm -hmm. And with four years of collective education between Yulame and Thomas, right. they developed the character in their marriage, in their union, in their friendship for 45 years, mm -hmm. to imbue 13 people, their children, mm -hmm. with an ideology that said, don't look for permission to do better. But if you want to do better, use your head, yeah. your heart, yeah. your habits, and your hands yeah. as the tools that the good Lord gave you. Your head, your heart, your habits, and your hands. I like it. When you look back on discipline, because you are a martial artist, it's, it's one of the things that we both enjoy. And I tell people that it's more about character than confrontation. I mean, martial arts is really largely about character and what it gives you. And we'll spend some time talking about that. But when you compare that structure, those passions, those principles that you learned to now, what's your reflection? Very simple, as is martial arts, mm -hmm. very simple. Um, the biggest challenge we have in life is not anyone else, it's ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's our ability to, you use the word discipline, literally translated, the practice within. Yeah. So when we make the choice, and I call it hope, mm -hmm. giving yourself the freedom and permission mm -hmm. to be successful, uh, when we give ourselves those kinds of uh, parameters, we create a mindset that's growth-oriented. Yeah. I'm talking about Dr. Carol Dweck, <laughs> who talks about a growth mindset yeah. rather than a fixed mindset. Yeah. Now, she's articulated this in, in ways suited of a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Once again, Eula May and Thomas mm -hmm. explained this very clearly to mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Whether it had to do with health, education, or, or economics, it didn't really matter. You know, Eula May would sit with us and talk about the cost of the plate of food we were eating. And she mm -hmm. would relate that mm -hmm. to what it would cost in a restaurant. Then she would come back and look, well, let's look at the, uh, the value of nutrition mm -hmm. as related to what we cook with. Right. Versus, this is a second grade education right, right, right. woman. What do you think she got that from? I mean, where, where, that, that level of, of comprehension, and you said second grade education. Where, where did it come from? Experience and exposure. Hmm. Understand, my grandfather was a slave owner. Hmm. My grandmother was his concubine. Wow. Wow. Experience and exposure. Wow. Wow. Translate that into 2017. We're going to bounce around a little bit here, but I... I Translate the atmosphere of what you just talked about with the atmosphere of 2017. Building strength. Mm. Let's talk about the history of African Americans for okay. a moment. Okay. And within the confines of a microcosm, okay. not, not some expanded long tie mm -hmm. trap. Mm -hmm. 
Regrettably, Africans sold other Africans to Europeans. Absolutely. When they chose those Africans, mm -hmm. they didn't choose the weak ones. No. When indeed those Africans were put on ships mm -hmm. to be brought to various places, yeah. many of them died. So many that the eating patterns of sharks changed because the food was available. That's right. So those who survived the sickness, yeah. the traumatic experience, yeah. the brutality, yeah. were strong. Yeah. We started with strong yeah. on the shores. Sure. We evolved with those in the ships mm -hmm. to be strong. And then let's just say we came to Louisiana. Now, we know the first slave state is where my parents were. Yeah. Virginia. Yeah. Jamestown. Yeah, that's right. But let's just say we came to Louisiana, 105 degree weather. Mm -hmm. And you had to work from sunup to sundown. Do you think if you survive, you got weaker or stronger? Do you think the genome created a very strong individual? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. Then we had the Emancipation Proclamation. That's right. At that point, Jim Crow came along. Mm -hmm. Yes, we had this uh, reconstruction, if you will, but as we know, unfairly. Mm -hmm. We're still talking about challenge, mm -hmm. struggle. Frederick Douglass said, without struggle, there is no progress. Mm -hmm. That goes from the cellular level mm -hmm. to the mindset level. No question. So what we're talking about is creating some of the greatest athletes and thinkers. Mm -hmm. Because you had to do with less and find a way to make it work. Sure. Now you're talking about a group of people in spite of some of the tragedy that came along. Because we're also talking about heart disease diabetes, mm -hmm. the things that came along with a lifestyle, yeah. but you're still standing. Mm -hmm. And guess what? This doesn't just apply to African Americans. Oh, sure. It applies to all ethnicities. Oh, sure. The challenge that the Irish had. Sure. We're talking about human beings right. and their ability to adjust to trauma, tragedy, mm -hmm. and challenge, and finding triumph in that process. What I'm saying to you is, Eula May and Thomas imbued me with a concept that being human is something short of being an angel. <laughs> that by the nature of creation, we were given uh -huh. the ability to find those resources, and as the Bible says, take dominion over mm -hmm. them. That's right. Not people. Right. Resources. Resources. Now, along the way, if we are fortunate in finding like-minded people mm -hmm. to indeed help us move our mission, vision, measurable objectives, values forward mm -hmm. that embrace humanity and respect the dignity of humanity, mm -hmm. then indeed we have concentric circles of support that can nurture and move along the best of being a human being. I so often am disappointed with the tone and tenor of discussions about the least of these among us. And I, I remember having this conversation with someone talking about the inner city and, and helping. And I said, there are people there who need help, who want help, who would take advantage of opportunities to be better. 
But how you approach them when you offer the help can sometimes draw resistance. And and I had to explain how that works because of people's self-pride and they know they're in a tough situation. And I just don't think you I don't think you embarrass people in their limitations when you are trying to help them. And kids, for example, I believe every child can learn. Every child. They all learn at different paces. But every child has a capacity to learn. And as adults, we should recognize that we have an opportunity to help them find their dream. As Jeff LaDove says, find your forever. And I, I, I sometimes, I just think the way we dialogue is, is often a, an obstruction to some of the things that we intend to accomplish. Would you agree or disagree with that? Oh, I agree 100%. Uh, what we say is different than how we say it. And there's no group of disenfranchised people that are monolithic. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the least of these, yeah. you can't assume because of hue of skin, gender, yeah. Yeah. whatever, right. that people think the same. Each right. person has their own sum total sure. experiences. And it shapes uh, the brand and the style and the substance of how they critically think or lack thereof. Right, right. You went to Cornell. I was fortunate enough to receive a full scholarship to Cornell. Yes. And your experiences with intermingling with people of, of different ethnicity as, as you are on, it is a, 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 a campus like Cornell isn't exactly, say, the melting pot that LSU has become in terms of all of the people there because you're talking about elite intellectualism. And, and, I, don't, and I don't mean that as a derogation. I, I mean, smart people are there who are intending to go on and better themselves. Um, Those experiences and sitting in classrooms with other people with all the pistons firing, as Dr. Cosby once equated education, all the pistons are firing. What was that experience like for you? I I think it's important to take a step back from Cornell to understand how I gained cultural confidence. Please. Respect for ethnicity. Please. You see, I started training traditional Shotokan karate when right. I was seven. Yeah. With that in mind, I was in the middle of the world. Mm-hmm. I have friends from 50 some odd years from Japan, from yeah. China, yeah. from Pakistan, mm-hmm. from India. I can go all over the world and find those friends. Mm-hmm. And each of those cultures had its own problem solving ideology. Mm-hmm. Albeit the common denominator that human beings must have certain things to survive, mm-hmm. there were different approaches to it. Example, language, example, religion, culture. Mm-hmm. So going to Cornell was a hell of a lot easier <laughs> as a result of having been involved with a global set of people already. Right. So and and quite frankly, uh, Cornell was A bastion of intelligent people, but sometimes smart people can do dumb things. Oh, no question. Especially when you are in an isolated bubble. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think it's key that we look at people as they are. Right. And whether you're at Cornell or or whether you're at the community college, Mm -hmm. you will find good and bad. And let's let's really take that to a deeper level. Okay. Each of us has good and bad inside us. <laughs> and no doubt about it. Okay, I mean, the old adage was, <laughs> there are two wolves fighting inside us. That's right. 
the one that wins the fight is the one we choose to feed. Right. With that in mind, it doesn't matter where you're at. Mm -hmm. What matters is, as mama used to say, who are you? Mm -hmm. What do you believe in? Right. What do you value? Mm -hmm. And do your words match your actions? Now, those in the academic or mental health world would say, what is your self-identity? Right. Do you have the self-agency to move forward what your values are? Yeah. Lots of fancy words, but at the end of the day, once again, Eula May and Thomas come up with the simplicity at a cellular level of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> young men, specifically young African-American males. I know that you volunteer and are very, very involved in programs and you host something that I want to I want to wait to talk about because I want to spend a, a pretty good amount of time talking about what you do around the table. <laughs> Don't worry, you're not the first one to have the cell phone go off there during the podcast. Um, but this is this issue is like a Rubik's cube, whereas as soon as you figure out how to match up all the colors, if you look away for a second and look back, the colors have changed again. I would love to hear your reflection on and 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 let me say this before even before you even I get to the question and you get to the answer. The issue of what's happening with young males is not limited to just black people. Mm -hmm. But in we're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where there is an issue that that deserves our attention. And I just want to know what your reflection of where we are with these young men is now. And I'd also like to, you to talk about the, the winners that are in that age bracket that we spent so little time talking about and then what you were doing to address what's going on. Let me offer some context. Okay. Uh, I began working with young people when I was a young person. Yeah. So when one of my brothers was at Temple University, he worked in the Upward Bound program. Mm -hmm. Uh, with the experience I had in karate from age seven, at the age of 13, I was teaching karate in mm -hmm. that program. Mm -hmm. Upward Bound has a, uh, a well-known uh, track record of helping young sure. people, oh, yeah. men, young oh, women, yeah. oh, yeah. to be successful oh, towards yeah. going to get an education. I think what's important here is to distinguish between the ecology that's necessary to nurture a young person uh -huh versus, if you will, institutional barriers. Okay, let's talk now, about that. Now, one would argue that they're, they're one and the same, but they're different. And you and I are examples. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the institutions may not play fair. Right. And that's okay. That's sure. part of life. It's sure. always been that way from yeah. time memorial. Yeah. But if indeed you are given the concentric circles of support mm -hmm. within your ecology, let's talk about what that means. The various circles that people walk in, yeah. health, education, wealth creation, ability. Yeah. Yeah. But if you look at Yuri Brofenbrenner's work out of Cornell, by yeah. the way, yeah. human ecology, yeah. we look at circles that start with the family. Mm -hmm. We're looking on the block, mm -hmm. the neighborhood, yeah. the community, right. the city, yeah. the state, the nation, right. the world. Yeah. 
the more connectivity in positive ways there is with those concentric circles of support, the more likely that young man or woman is going to be imbued with the self-identity mm -hmm. and self-agency to get things done that in spite of whatever obstacles, mm -hmm. they will accomplish. I, I, I want you to hover over that point for a little while because it's very important for people listening. I, I want you to drill down because I agree with you 100%. Environments have an impact on the way we view the world. And that isn't about whether you're in the country club or if you lived in Cabrini Green. It's about the environment, the, what people said to you at your youngest age. Were you encouraged or discouraged by the people around you? Were you told you can do anything you want to do as long as you work for it? Those things are important because sometimes I think people believe that money alone is the way that kids can be successful. And I don't believe it starts with what's in your bank account. It starts with what's in your heart, what's in your head, what you say, what you think. And so I'd like you to talk more about that because that's a very, very important point. I think we've actually touched on this already. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what we're really talking about is, as we said, head, heart, habits, yeah. and hands. Yeah. But those things have to be instructed. Yeah. And then practiced. Yeah. And so your experiences and your exposures have to allow you to come to a point of being autonomic. Mm -hmm. Let me relate that to an athlete. Sure. Okay. Any athlete, and I, I happen to serve as uh, at one point in my career as uh, an adjunct professor at Long Island University mm -hmm. and in the sports medicine department. Sure. Uh, my karate experience allowed me to be an instructor mm -hmm. of people from around the world sure. to teach them how to teach karate. Right, right, right. Part of that was understanding the kinesiology mm -hmm. and the automation that comes with first intent and purpose and then the mastery of the specific sports specific exercises mm -hmm. that allow you to come to automation. It takes 100,000 proper techniques, the practice of those techniques, to bring it to be autonomic, i.e., I'm falling, sleeping, swimming, eating, that counterpunch will come out. There's no doubt. It will come out. There's no doubt. <laughs> and so that said, that's what we need to do in terms of creating the yeah. mindset, yes. the growth mindset. Yes. Now, maybe the number isn't 100,000 times, but we know the repetition mm -hmm. allows us to engage in the thought leadership necessary mm -hmm. to deflect and redirect things coming at us that aren't positive. You are reacting without having to think about it. An autonomous reaction. The body will do what it has been trained to do even before you tell it. It's like quarterbacks. They instinctively know where their feet should be. And when they're not watching the pass rusher, they, something's happening, but it just happened because they practiced it so many times. Such is the same about survival and you talked about coming through tough dire situations and becoming that here is something that is discouraging and that is self-hatred that you see where people lack the capacity to compliment others because of self-hatred and social media now is a cesspool of self-hatred where people this new thing is troll, you know, they go on just to be negative to everybody. And I don't know how, how to fix that or 
where it all comes from totally, but I'd like you to talk about that, the, that the way someone views himself or herself does have an impact on how they treat others around them. Absolutely. Uh, what we're talking about, once again, is yeah. a mindset. Yeah. If you've been taught to be a hater, then yeah. you will be a hater. Yeah. If you've been taught to love yourself and love other people, then that's what you'll be. Um, we live in times that information, unlike when we came up, mm -hmm. is moving at the speed of light. No question. Literally. Yeah. In terms of fiber optics. That's right. And so uh, we need to distinguish between the three types of information. Mm -hmm. There is information that is useful. There is misinformation mm -hmm. that obviously doesn't give you what you need. Mm -hmm. And then there's disinformation. That is, somebody is intentionally misleading you in order to be bamboozled, <laughs> led astray, run amok. We've heard this before Indeed. from that great scholar called Malcolm X. So we have plenty of good information if we choose to seek it. You know what? Somebody said in the Bible, seek, ask, and knock. Yeah. If we're not on that game, our A game every right, day, right. we will be victim and not victor yeah. Yeah. of misinformation yeah. and disinformation. Bridging the racial gap, the quote unquote racial gap. It has been chewed on, chewed over, <laughs> regurgitated in all, all forms of, of intellectual digestion for generations and we still talk about it for me it goes back to the golden rule just treat others how you want to be treated and if you have a positive view of self and you want to be treated in a certain way and you reflect that on others it's an easy way it, it, you know there's no way around it but I avoid some of these conversations now because I have attended some of them that were intending intended to be constructive and and positive and it degrades into something that does not look too dissimilar uh, to second graders arguing on the playground and what do you do i think there are two parallel lines here that are very important maybe yeah. a third let's just start with the first okay and i'm 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 rebounding off something you just said about treating others as you want to be treated. But, you know, if, if we look at a biblical principle, you know, there are ten commandments there. And one of them is to love your God with all your soul, mm -hmm. your strength, your heart, mm -hmm. and your mind. Mm -hmm. And then they say, treat others as you want to be treated. That's right. You see, we, we don't always bring that first part in. Right. Because we are fallible as human beings. No we were question. born in sin. No question. And so, consequently, I think without that faith, Addressing an issue like the disparity, the economic disparity, which seems to have a byproduct of this racial issue that we have. Yeah. Let's talk about race. Some crazy French guy came up with a theory that there's such a thing as race. Six genes make up the hue of your skin and the texture of your hair. Right. That's a genetic sunburn, mm -hmm. to quote Tony Brown, mm -hmm. who's my mentor. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, this idea of race really doesn't exist scientifically. Right. But we know woefully it exists yeah. in terms of our social structure. And how we think. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, race does matter, even though scientifically it really has no basis. Well, it matters to those who make it matter. You got it. And if you're in power, this is the issue. If you have power, then you can dictate and victimize. Mm -hmm. Or you can engage and nurture. The question is, how do you go about getting that power? Yeah. Money is a byproduct of that head, heart, habit, and hands. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of resources here. Mm -hmm. But don't misunderstand, there's a lot of game going on. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of unfairness that exists. If you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth, it makes it difficult. However, what we were all born with is the breath of life. Mm -hmm. But we have to be taught how to use that properly. Right. So I try to have conversations about anything, whether it be race or whatever, that have three factors. Yeah. Is it good? Is it true? Is it useful? Yeah. When those three things aren't in place, we're probably not going to have dialogue. That's exactly my point. It's, it, look, I, I try to live by that. Treat people the way I want to be treated. I try not to forget that you can't get too busy to help someone up. Because somewhere along the line, somebody helped you up. and But I try to keep it to myself as much as possible. Uh, I guess I'm just wired that way. And I tell my sons that one of the most important virtues that you have as males, and I say the same thing to my daughter, but it's, it's, it's a little different, as you know, uh, depending on what I consider the responsibilities of a lady versus a gentleman. And, but, but it's that work ethic, just do the best you can. That's all. Give honest, hard effort. I would tell them in school, I don't care the grade. I just want a effort. And if you give me a effort, I'll accept whatever grade you get, which I understand how that works. If you apply, if you're doing the right thing, the right way, the outcome is going to be expected. And I see kids who don't have that. And it's, it's a, it's such a multi-layered issue and I can't, I'm not going to, I don't want to disrespect it by in one or two phrases, you know, categorizing it as one thing or the, or another. But the end result is there are kids who don't have that, who, who don't, who've never been taught to view the world through the prism of you can have success you can be something. It ain't going to be easy, but you can have success. And then they are judged on their inability to achieve, quote unquote, success. And that does bother me because I always say, man, a friend of mine says about boys with their pants sagging. He said, if you can get a young man to lift up his mind, then he'll lift up his pants. And guys such as yourself, men such as yourself who are so investing in them. It isn't even as much as what you say. It's the, the, it's the way that you say it and that you are there saying it. And that is where I want people to jump in. If you live in you know, where I live in South Baton Rouge and you don't drive over to North Baton Rouge and, and get involved, you have a right to your opinion. But understand, you haven't really done anything to make it better. So I try to. And I just always encourage people, do what little you can to help 
because I just feel bad for this generation, so many of them, because they have never had, as you have just said, the exposure to a different reality. They don't even know it exists. Am I wrong? I, I do not think you're wrong. And, and let me give you a reflection from someone who was not born and raised in Baton Rouge. Okay. Um, I came up in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. I saw Malcolm X killed. I saw John Kennedy killed. I saw Martin Luther King killed. Mm -hmm. In the heart of Philadelphia, um, there were a lot of gang activities, yeah. both uh, disenfranchised gangs yeah. and more organized gangs. Yeah. It was not uncommon to see a mafioso shot to death on Broad oh, yeah. Street in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. uh, in my tenure in, in, in middle school, there were 72 young people killed within the vicinity of my school. I was being shot at on a daily basis. Quite frankly, when I look at North Baton Rouge, there are challenges there. But it looks like a suburb compared to where <laughs> I came up. Say that again. I, I, now, please don't understand. I, I wanted to say this clearly. That doesn't demean or minimize the challenges. There are things happening right now. There were three shootings last night. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, this, this is city uncommon. Could, this city could top 100 murders this year. This is uncommon. Yeah. And per capita, yeah. you know, we're on par with cities that have a much more serious problem. But that said, law enforcement, I think, is doing the best it can. I believe that. I, I believe that what you've got to do is look at the root cause mm -hmm. of why a young man or a young woman would be involved with this kind of antisocial activity. Uh, I'm not saying institutions are perfect, no. but you know and I know. Yeah. I work with law enforcement all yeah. the time. Yeah, you do. Uh, and so the, the, these men and women are right next to the young people that we're working with. Right. And the young people we're working with are going to West Point, yep. to LSU Bioengineering. Yes. They're going to places and doing things, and they're engaged in the community. Uh, after the assassination of the three policemen last uh, summer, Almost and, and by the ago. way, my kids know all of those men, yeah. and also Alton Sterling. Yeah. They knew him because they were in and out of the beauty shops yeah. and the yeah. places he yeah. would sell his disc. My point is, you know, our kids are taking all this in, yeah. and we tried to imbue our young people with a sense of critical thinking that would allow them to put this in perspective. Yeah. And they were right there with the WAFB town hall meeting. Mm -hmm. And as soon as law enforcement walked in, Sid Gotro, Mike Edmondson, um, everybody, mm -hmm. they shook our kids' hands mm -hmm. because they knew them. They knew them. A relationship had yeah. ensued. Yeah. You know, Mr. Dabity was right there. <laughs> right. What I'm simply saying is we can't put this all on law enforcement. Right. Are there challenges that law enforcement have to address? Yes. Yeah. But there are challenges we as human beings yeah. in this society, in this great country of ours, have to address. And it starts with the kinds of things we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Can we nurture a young man yep. to be encouraged, yep. to have efficacy, yes. to have the kind of belief and hope in themselves that in spite of whatever happens, in spite of, they'll make it happen. We always look at because of. And, and that's a beautiful thing. But quite often, you have to have the adversity to take it to another level. No doubt. Okay? The reason we get better at kick, punch, block, strike is we do it numerous mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. And we, when we're knocked down and can't get back up, that's when the real champ comes no, out. No question. 
<laughs> you got me. The ground, Ali said, is no place for a champion. Right. And this idea, and I'm coming back to power and privilege. Yeah. We do not really engage in dialogue about privilege enough mm-hmm. and what that means in this society. And I think key is when you begin to understand how institutions treat different people in different ways. Mm-hmm. We might look at right now Muslims in America. You know, there, there's a downplay of being Muslim. What? Wait a minute. There's nothing wrong with being Muslim. Nothing at all. Right. The question is, what does any individual choose to do and to yeah, follow? Absolutely. It's not about your religion. No. It's about who you are. That's exactly right. And so, you know, this is the... Why does no one say that? I, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there are national figures who say it. Maybe I just haven't seen it. But there are not a ton of them saying what you just said. Well, I just think we need... Now, let me rephrase that. Choices will be made. Mm -hmm. Stances will be taken. No doubt. And one day we will all be judged for those choices. No, your scorecard will get read. Yes. So I leave it there. Yeah. You know... Daniel, if you translate my last name, God is my judge. And the spirit of fear was not given to us Mm -hmm. as human beings. Mm -hmm. The spirit of accomplishment and love and beauty, Mm -hmm. those things are there. We have to choose, though, which one we want to follow. Let's talk a little bit more about martial arts. Sure. Uh, And... Your vast experience in a great number of places as a practitioner, as a teacher, as an admirer of this great discipline that teaches you so much about overcoming. Uh, Talk about your love for martial arts. Karate. Overcoming self. Mm Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, that's it. No doubt. And that's my love for martial arts. You know, the kinesiology of kick, punch, block, strike, dodge, roll, Mm -hmm. forces, mass, times, acceleration. Mm -hmm. To every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. Mm -hmm. Those things are actually quite simple. Yep. The science is quite simple. The the growth mindset is not. Mm -hmm. Because even within the structure of how we are taught, there are limitations. Yeah. We have to find ways to take the beauty of the breath of life mm-hmm. to another level. We, we, we always hear the, the name Bruce Lee when it comes sure. to what it means to excel in martial art and respect to that man sure. for what he did. But at the end of the day, the most important thing wasn't his sidekick. Mm-mm. It was his willingness to sacrifice, mm-hmm. to struggle, mm-hmm to persevere, Mm -hmm. to come to a point that he believed he could hope for the next level. Yeah. It's a biblical principle. It is indeed. It is indeed. When you teach it to people, I remember I discovered martial arts because I wanted, I took a mixed martial arts class. And I took the class, quite honestly, for fitness purposes, because it was it was high velocity cardio and all of the movements. And we did a sparring drill and I was woefully inept 
because sparring is not fighting. It is mathematics at a lightning speed pace because you are it's it's even faster than football because of how fast things happen. And I did not like not having fundamental knowledge. So I stopped. And then I took um, a martial arts class. And I never stopped. I just kept going. And I fell in love with it. And for me, I wanted to have a base knowledge of it. I didn't even care about belt color and all of that. I mean, you, you, I went through, didn't I achieved it. But for me, more importantly, it was about what I was learning about myself in doing it. And what I watched people experience, watching people break boards. And, you know, for people watching a test or a competition, it's one thing. But when you're going through learning how to do that and you see someone accomplish it the first time in a class and then at testing it's a com- it's a camaraderie thing that I don't think people on the outside c- can really get and I mean and I'm sure as an instructor because I had a group that I worked with you came and work out worked out with my group mm-hmm. once and and as you know sometimes watching people achieve is better than having achieved yourself mm-hmm. am I right <laughs> I do believe that we need to be men and women for others. Yes. Uh, and I think that that is a much sweeter accomplishment. No question. Than just accomplishing it for yourself. No question. You know, education, if you talk to Dr. Tina Sherman Holland, who runs the Franciscan University, when she speaks of education, she speaks of it in terms of purposeful yeah. and communal just to have an education to make money is almost a sacrilege. No question. What are we doing on behalf of our family, mm-hmm. our block, our neighborhood? Mm-hmm. What are we doing with our education? If mm-hmm. it's simply a matter of uh, amassing power and money without the usefulness of enriching your community, it, it, it's, it's questionable. But that's an opinion. Some people would disagree with that vehemently. Um, I had the opportunity to to run a national organization called Father Flanagan's Boys Town. Yeah. And in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, Berkshire Hathaway is right there. Yeah. It was not uncommon to yeah. see Warren Buffett. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Ricketts was one of our board members. Well, if you know Ameritrade, you know he was the founder of right. Ameritrade. Right. His son owns the Chicago Cubs, the world champions. Mm-hmm. My point to you is all of these people are engaged in giving back yeah and it enriches their lives warren buffett didn't just give millions of dollars to his kids he gave it to charity gave a lot of it to bill gates billions not millions billions the point being is here are men and women and i didn't mention a woman but there are many women in different places who are doing very well Uh, kathy hughes is one of them a student to Tony yeah. Brown at Howard. But the point being Kathy is... Kathy Hughes is a phenomenal story and a name that not enough people know, but take my word for it. She is a game changer in more ways than people can imagine. But, but go ahead. Absolutely, absolutely. And so... Uh, Google her. Well, let's take a little moment there. I mean, since we have some time. K- Kathy Hughes founded... Uh, Kathy Hughes was a major player in radio for so long, and there were a great number of syndicated radio shows that happened because of Radio One. And Radio One uh, begat TV One. That's that's a cable network right now. But there are network executives, even 
the likes of Roger Ailes, who counted Kathy Hughes as a brilliant mind in telecommunications. And she is someone who has given opportunity to a great number of people. I remember some of the national radio hosts that she had, you know, in here and in, in some of my earlier years in radio. And then I remember the first time I heard her name and, you know, this is, this predates Google. So, so, you know, it, it was, it was word of mouth and talking about what she has, what she had accomplished. And one of the things that I heard so consistently about her is that she was not one who suffered fools. In other words, she didn't do BS. You had to know your stuff and be on your game. But she was also someone who understood the importance of community and giving back. And so I don't even know what capacity she still works in today, right now. Uh, does she still run that company or has she? Well, her son is doing a lot okay. of it now. But let me step back a bit okay. because there's something you didn't say. Okay. And it relates to all the things sure. we've been talking about, right. about giving okay. back okay. and struggle. Yeah. Leading to the success you just articulated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kathy Hughes was a student at yeah. Howard University's yeah. journalism school uh, at the time that my mentor, Tony Brown, was its first dean. Yeah. Kathy's, the father of Kathy's son, mm -hmm. left her. That's right. And went to Hollywood. That's right. You may have seen the movie Talk to Me. It was mm -hmm. all about Dewey Hughes. Yeah, yeah. Kathy was left was that, destitute. Uh, Don Cheadle. Indeed. Yeah, played Kathy that, yeah. was left destitute yeah. without any money. That's right. Tony Brown yeah. appointed her the manager of the radio station mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. for yeah. Howard at that point in right. time. Kathy was washing her baby up because there was no shower there. No. In the basin yeah. where you'd get a drink of water. Yeah. Kathy has talked about this on mm -hmm. several occasions. Kathy, Kathy was born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska, mm -hmm. where, you know, where I worked and mm -hmm. lived for seven years, uh, is a place that quite often people say, well, you were the one. The one what? The only black person there. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. Malcolm X was born in Omaha, Nebraska. Buddy Miles was born in Omaha, Nebraska. The great drummer used to play with mm -hmm. Jimi yeah, Hendrix. Sure. Kathy Hughes was mm -hmm. born. There, there is a bastion of African-Americans who have wonderful culture and actually used to bring some of the jazz greats from New Orleans into North Omaha. There's a museum there. Mm -hmm. My point to you simply is Kathy had to go through to get her breakthrough. Let me say that again. She had to go through challenges to get her breakthrough to start Radio One yeah. and TV One yeah. and to raise her son to be a good man that he could take the company over. These are the things that Kitchen Table Talk, as I know we're going to talk it's about, is segue. all <laughs> about. I told you before we started, it wasn't your first rodeo. <laughs> Wow. Very well done. <laughs> took a little bit of my thunder right there, J.D., but that's okay. Kitchen Table <laughs> that's, that, 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 sorry, that was funny. Um, the the genesis of it was what? Well, first, well, well, take us all the way through it because I was going to give the preamble to it, but that was so great. Kitchen Table is what for people who have not heard about it? Kitchen Table Talk is an intergenerational dialogue between underserved youth yeah. and those 
who have gotten their breakthrough and become successful. Mm -hmm. The purpose of which is to teach those young people how to live, learn, and change the world. But let me add one more thing. It's reciprocal. Those who have already accomplished are organic in that process. Mm -hmm. They're still learning from those young people who have a series of challenges they knew nothing about. Let me offer one example. We have this thing called the cell phone. It gives us access to what we talked about before, information, misinformation, and disinformation. It gives us access to being desensitive to violence Mm -hmm. by the videos that are played. It gives us access to being eroticized at Mm -hmm. a young age. When we came up, the worst thing we saw was a Playboy magazine. That's right. You can see all kinds of things on no question. your cell phone. No now, question. That has an impact on the neurology yeah. of our kids. No question. It puts the direction of their focus in life way out of whack with what they should be focused mm-hmm. on. Becoming a good person mm-hmm. who is learning how to learn and continues to learn. Mm-hmm. So when we bring back kitchen table talk, what we're really talking about is a way in which we can sit with our young people, mm-hmm. have a nutritious meal, mm-hmm. and talk about how to live well, how to learn how to learn. And most important, I come back, Kathy had to go through to get her breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So you sit and talk to Tina Sherman Holland and suddenly realize that several of her brothers went to serious prison. Mm-hmm. And if she had not made the decision to go into the Marines, there goes she in that mm-hmm. process. Decisions. <laughs> yeah. Sandra Hollow, foundation president of Albemarle, mm-hmm. chemical engineer. But if you listen to her story, you see the challenges that came before her mm-hmm. as a woman in the workplace yes. wanting to be a mother, becoming a mother, wanting to be a wife, becoming a wife, mm-hmm. wanting to be a good citizen, becoming a good citizen. You see the challenges that occurred in her workplace, but she overcame them. I, I I'm fascinated by what you've done there first of all the the metaphorical significance of sitting around a table has so much relevance in now versus a bygone era dialoguing around a table is important even biblical listening and learning is so important it is If you have not heard of this, The Advocate has written stories on what John has done. Obviously, people have talked about it on social media. It is fascinating. Where did you get the concept? The genesis is Eula May and Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) With four years of education collectively, they mandated that we were at the table listening to their economic strategy about the cost of food. Yes, And uh, the principles of the Bible that would suggest that, you know, treat your neighbor as you want to be treated and love your God with all your might, your soul, your mind. Mm -hmm. These are the things that were repeated to come to that autonomic mental Mm -hmm. mindset nature Mm -hmm. at the kitchen table. Why we were eating a nutritious meal. Right. So you had the communal 
education that mm -hmm. Tina talks about. Mm -hmm. You had the purposeful education that happened on a regular basis, and you had to be there at the time we were having dinner. Right. You weren't outside throwing the football. No. And so it is these things, notwithstanding four years of education between yes. them, that they build our character with. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the metaphor of kitchen table, adding on talk, and then it became kitchen table talk BR. And now, sir, <laughs> it's becoming kitchen table talk Louisiana. There Soon is, to be in Houston. There is someone in North Louisiana, when he's here again, I want to introduce you to. He is a purposeful person that we will talk about uh, off the air here. And I know he needs what you're doing. And he's in a position to impact young lives there. There are a couple of them. And so we'll talk about that because I think it is important. Final couple of questions here. Talk to me about your personal philosophy about getting up. Like you, you've talked a lot about having to go through something, having to learn how to overcome, to get to wherever in life you're supposed to be. So if someone listening now ha has never really understood, they need some rung, some fulcrum, something to hold themselves up on to get up, how would you advise? In everything, there's a beginning, there's a start, and there's an ending. In order to start something, Denzel Washington said, you have to commit. In order to finish something, you have to be consistent. That's the simplicity of that. When you commit to doing something, i.e. starting it, that's what gets you up. We can talk about all the academic dialectic we want concerning motivation, whatever it might That's be. That's right. But you just have to make a commitment to yourself and a decision. That I'm you just going to do it. Absolutely. We, we sometimes are harsh with our children that they make decisions. Well, we don't want them to make bad decisions, but we can praise them for making a decision. Right. How many mature people, adults, do we know that don't make decisions? No question. You've got to be able to commit to a decision. Now, what we would want is they would thoughtfully consider that, the assets and the liabilities of that decision. Mm -hmm. We call that critical thinking. That's right. So for me, being up is being alive. Yes. Yes. So I made the commitment long time ago to start and finish with consistency whatever project I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And for me, a lifelong project will be to empower mm -hmm. youth that they become empowered adults. And finally, if you had to describe in a phrase your idea of a functional community, how would you do it? A community that's functional based upon how life is and not how we want it to be will find order in chaos. So it's necessary to teach thought leadership at the young level about how to critically think. Mm -hmm. 
what we might look at as dysfunctional and intelligently looking at indicators of health, education, wealth creation. Sure. These are the things that we talk about in terms of well-being. Mm -hmm. And for me, that would be the question. Yeah. How do we promote well-being in our community yeah. with health, education, wealth creation? Uh, what might be appear to be a problem might not be a problem. Let me give you an example of an old story real Please. quick. So there was a gentleman that was trying to acquire a horse, mm -hmm. and the horse got away. That was bad. Mm -hmm. They went out again, and they found the horse. That was good. The gentleman's son got on the horse and broke his shoulder. That was bad. Mm -hmm. Army came to get his son to go to war. Couldn't go because he had a broken shoulder. That was good. It depends on your perspective. Depends on the time. Right. So what is dysfunctional to one person might be an opportunity for another. So as we talk about dysfunctional communities, do we choose to look at the assets or the liabilities? Right. I'm going to look for the assets because that's my lever to move and change the world. You are something else. How can people find you, follow you, learn about what you're doing? JGDaniel at Cox.net. All right. And he's on Facebook. Are you on Twitter? Yes. You're on Twitter, too. Twitter, yes. all of a sudden, is all over the news for various reasons. But what's your Twitter handle? That's a good question. I just changed it. <laughs> I'll have to get back to you. We have to, you have to do a Twitter search. It's, it's easy on Facebook. It's just his name, just John. Just look for Scholar's Laboratory. <laughs> you look for Scholar's Laboratory, it'll be right there. Will you come and do this again? It would be an honor, sir. And I tell you what, I would love it if at some point not only can we do this again, but that you would bring some of those young people with you and that we do a podcast version of Kitchen Table Talk. Sounds like a winner to me. Can you? I guess we can't do it at another location, but we'll, we'll make oh, that happen. Oh, we can do whatever we need. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's something we can put together. Um, well, let me tell you what's coming up. Really, it's real important. What's coming up? Uh the number two boxer in the world in the lightweight championship category yeah. is going to do our next kitchen table talk. Really? When? We uh, Next two weeks. Okay. Um, and we, we have a number of celebrities from this area who are engaged with that. And the filmers are also people who work for ESPN and mm -hmm. film the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, he'll be around young people. He'll be around experienced people. And so not only will he be sharing the benefit of what he does, because yeah. if you look at a boxer, uh, the tenacity uh, that's required, the skills that are required, um, those ideas we talked about, the ground is no place mm -hmm. for a champion, we find that there are many lessons they can teach our young people. Mm -hmm. uh, and this young man happens to be articulate, mm -hmm. uh, a good father, a good husband, um, and hails from New Orleans. <laughs> wow. He trains in Houston Wow, with, with a former uh, contender heavyweight. Um, but this young man uh, will be a part of our first content creation. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, we're producing an inspirational video with him at the center. And by the way, he, he's doing very well. He's signing all kinds of contracts with right. Showtime and 
His life is going to another level, but his immediate, his immediate desire is to give back. And so we, there are many young men and women out here like that. We just need to embrace them. Mm-hmm. This young man is like my little nephew, mm-hmm. and I followed his career yeah. from its inception. Yeah. Uh, but he'll be the next big thing in boxing. That's fantastic. By the way, have you paid any attention to this Mayweather-McGregor thing that's been going on? I actually am going to watch it. It is it is a clash of styles, and make no mistake about it, folks. the The announcement, the press event, that was all show. <laughs> they're selling pay per views, and they're scamming the nation. I told a buddy of mine yesterday with Aflac, he's talking about it, and I, and I only saw highlights of it. I said, "Brother, that's marketing one hundred and one. Get them into the building. That's the only way they can see the show." And it's it's and social media puts that on steroids, but. It'll be very interesting to see McGregor, who, as much as he talks once the ring, once the bell rings, becomes a tacticianer of martial arts in the way that Floyd Mayweather, as much as he talks when the bell rings, is one of the best defensive fighters I've ever seen. He protects himself as good as as anyone, and he's got crazy cardio. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, so what do you think about that? It's interesting. You know, I haven't followed that much. And primarily because probably my traditional martial arts yes, background. Yes, yes, And yes. probably because I came out of Joe Frazier's gym in <laughs> Philadelphia. So uh, let me ask you a question. Are, is McGregor going to be able to kick? No. Actually, this is going to be a boxing competition. Well, if that be the case. This, this will not. And that's why I don't believe McGregor is, is going to win. I'm not going to say that. Mayweather's going to knock him out. I actually, I don't know. I told a friend of mine, I actually don't know how this will end up. But if I had to wager, and I won't, but if I did, I would, I would give the edge to Mayweather because this is going to be a boxing bout, not a mixed martial arts exhibition. I think you, you, you really were centered in on uh, the result of this match uh, when you talked about marketing. Mm-hmm. This is not about a fighting competition. No. Other than to make money. Oh, yeah. I mean, so. Mayweather has, a, has the potential to make almost $400 million. McGregor nearly $100 million, which is more than either one of them could have made with, any, with anyone else out there. It's, it's marketing. But, you know, Ali was a genius at that. He taught a lot of now athletes how to sell. Absolutely. Absolutely. And But what people often missed about him is he was in the gym. <laughs> you saw the press conferences. You didn't see him on the heavy bag and, and putting the work in. And I think that's important. That's an important lesson about life is if you are not doing the science, you'll get caught. Absolutely. Absolutely. As, I, as, as, as that great philosopher Mike Tyson once said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. <laughs> Well, John Daniel, he is fantastic, and this is the first of what I hope will be several conversations. Thank you for coming in, my dear friend. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways 
ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get the Waiting Room podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is The Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Oh, there you have it. A great conversation with J.D. He is a phenomenal martial artist. He didn't talk about it because he's not going to boast on himself, but I think he's a sixth or seventh degree black belt. I mean, he's a pretty impressive guy. And I enjoyed the conversation, and we will do a part two. Love to get your feedback. You can email me, clay at podcast225.com, clay at podcast225.com. If you get the show on iTunes, leave us a review there and a star rating. It helps us out, and we appreciate you doing it. So uh, thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll catch you next week here on podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.